Hey, hey, and welcome to Temple of the Falls Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. And we got, uh, we got Professor Bruce, uh, T.A. Bruce, there we go, Teacher's Assistant Bruce, uh, here to teach us a lesson today, and I'll be the annoying kid in the back being devil's advocate. We are talking today about land consistency. Land consistency. Uh, <laughs> how many lands do you run in a deck? It's up to you, because you could n- not want to draw land, but that would make the game boring. But also, if you run too many lands, then you end up having a handful of spells that... I mean, a, a handful of land and no spells. There we go. I was like, I'm saying the same thing I just said. <laughs> uh, so, Bruce, why, why don't you take it away? You've you've got a little thesis for us. Sure. So, uh, when I started playing, the, uh, the appropriate ratios were uh, one-third creatures, one-third other spells, and one-third lands. Oh. Uh, I recommend going with that. Uh, I think we're done. Great. All right. Have a great night, and Short I hope podcast. your fifth land is the temple. There we go. Or... Well, I guess maybe we could talk about this a little more because I think I hope your have... sixth land is the temple. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think we've evolved a little bit farther than that. Um, seventh land. <laughs> I hope your fifth, sixth, and seventh lands are all temples. I mean, well, temples of some sort. Yes. Um, what we're looking at is how many lands should be in your deck, and I'm going to take a guess and say right now you are not running enough lands in your deck. And I'm not talking just to Andy, I'm talking to all of you out there. Every single one of you. You're probably not running enough lands in your deck. Now, Mm. I'm gonna say right off the bat, you should be running 40, at least 40. Are you running at least 40? No. I, I think I'm running 40 in, I mean, I've got what, like, seven or eight decks i think i'm running 40 and two i have 14 commander decks wow i don't have a single commander deck that's running less than 40 not one because man of his word because this is this is something that i truly believe will improve consistency in your decks too many of us don't get to play enough commander so it's a crying shame when we get a starting hand that has three or four lands, say we're good to go, and then don't see another land, turn after turn after turn, and you end up just sitting there doing nothing for almost an hour because you just never get back <laughs> on level ground with everybody else who's playing. And that's just a hopeless setup. That is that is my, my MO when I play Magic, though. And people <laughs> always feel bad for me, and they never attack me. It's great. And then I come back and... If, uh, if you still can, lose. Right, and if you can consistently pull that off, coming right back at the end only to just lose, then maybe that works for you. Gets but, my heart racing. <laughs> but I'm going to suggest otherwise. So the reason I suggest 40 um, is when you look at your deck, consider what the key cards are in your deck. For most of us, it's going to be the commander. Sometimes there are other cards that are the, the key card, the, the, the card that really makes your deck hum. So, like, in my case, let's just consider Griselda right off the bat. That deck runs 
based on Griselda. It, it absolutely does. The whole point is to tap Griselda, make these funky creatures and go. So Griselda is the key card. Griselda costs five mana. Ooh. Now, to me, this means I want to play the key card as fast as I can because it's the key card of the deck. The longer it takes me to play this card, the more time I'm spending not doing what the deck is supposed to do. So I want to get it out there as fast as possible. So when you look at Griselda, in this case, the key card in that deck is the commander and it costs five. Realistically, I want to be dropping a land every turn until I can get to that five. So in other words, I want to hit five land by turn five. So how do you do this? How do you get to five land by turn five? Well, you have them to begin with. Right. You can <laughs> you, I mean you put in 99 lands. Exactly. 99 lands by turn 5, you're going to have that land. No <laughs> problem. Of course, you're not going to be able to do anything else with Griselda. You're going to rely on everybody else to put creatures in their graveyards, and that isn't quite as much fun as you might think. Uh, <laughs> a little mix and match. So realistically, I I do want to get the 5 lands by turn 5. Well, on what happens by turn five? See, I start with seven cards to start, and I'm going to draw at least five more. So, for sake of example, I'm drawing 12 cards. I need five lands in those 12 cards. A tiny bit of math says that I need 42 lands in my deck to reach that five out of 12 cards. Yeah, that makes sense. Right, because that's the average. Now, mm -hmm. because it's the average... It doesn't mean it's going to happen every time. Yeah. I mean, Just because you... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if that's the halfway point, that's the average. That's the midpoint. Right. Just because you're land screwed doesn't mean that you didn't put enough lands in the deck. Right. Um, variance, is, variance is a part of the game, and, and I get that. Um, but I think it's a nice starting point. Now, there are other variables that can go into this, obviously. You've included some ramp cards in your deck. So that can, in theory, reduce the number of lands you need because the ramp will get you there. Right, um, and ramp is, I mean, anything that will get you more mana than the turn you're on, essentially. Right, right. it essentially allows you to play that second land. Right. I mean, yeah. even in a loose sense, like, mana rocks could be considered ramp because you're getting, you know, say, three mana on turn two. Yes. Um, yeah, Using the term mana is probably better than saying land. Right. Uh, just because, you know, it shows where you are. Um, card draw, even to some extent, can also be used to cover for, you know, fewer lands because you're drawing more cards. So in theory, then, by turn five, maybe you haven't drawn 12 cards. Maybe you've drawn 15. So that Ooh. can also reduce the amount of lands you need in the deck to get to five lands on turn five. Right. But you're also using your mana to do well <laughs> this is just it when you start looking at ramp and you start looking at card draw as ways to get to the mana count that you need on turn five to be able to play your spell well the ramp and the card draw are there to do other things trust me you weren't putting ramp in your deck just to make the land drops you were putting land mm -hmm. ramp in your deck to be way ahead I mean, on turn five, when you play that fifth land, you also want there to be a couple of mana rocks by then so that you're not just producing the five mana from the lands, you're producing six or seven mana because 
I mean, yeah, I want to play Griselda on turn five. I'd also then like <laughs> to be able to play uh, Greaves and equip it to Griselda yeah. because you want to protect her. Um, you want to play other spells. You want to play multiple spells on a turn. So you shouldn't be relying on your ramp or your card draw to supplement the fact that you decided that you think 36 lands or 30 lands or whatever number is the right number. It's not. You should be going with 40 plus lands. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to you don't want to end up using your mana to just make more mana to get to that one play. Like you should be protecting yourself throughout and getting ready for that play because honestly, um, if you don't have Greaves out because you have just been playing Cultivate. Uh, I mean, Cultivate's obviously not going to be in Griselda, but uh, those types of cards, yeah. uh, if you're only doing that for the first couple turns, like you're leaving yourself open, and uh, wh- what am I trying to say? You just you don't want to be using up all of your ramp just to be getting that one mana per turn. That should be the standard. That should be the basis mm. of what you're looking at. So you want to go that route. Okay, now, so you're thinking to yourself, oh, okay, so I, I want to get Tasa out on turn four. And there isn't anything else in my deck that I'm really all that worried about that costs more than four. Well, okay, so Tasa on turn pretty four. pretty accurate. <laughs> right, so Tasa on turn four. Well, mm-hmm. that means you've got, you're seeing 11 cards, and you want four of them to be land. <clears throat> so you're looking at, 37 land now it's pretty accurate i think i have 36 right and i just finished saying you should have 40 and i'm still gonna say you should have 40 oh absolutely because when i when i give you these numbers and say that that's what you know based on the averages that's what it should be that's great but let's look at the percentages like the likelihood of actually drawing some of this stuff now I'm not going to go through and and talk endlessly about with and just pound numbers <laughs> on a podcast because man, there's nothing more mind numbing than listening to somebody who's just spewing numbers, especially like percentages <laughs> that are these ethereal like right like sure we know you know how you got them but like what does that mean in like four results like right i mean regardless of the percentage is not a hundred percent so therefore like i could very well have a game like i did last week with tesa where i get black market up to 59 and i have a land in hand still and that's all i have right uh oh yeah i mean you can you can you can still get too much mana, right but uh i, I would what i would problem. argue that, yeah, exactly. I think that's a great problem to have as opposed to a bad problem. If the person talking about lands doesn't mention Frank Karsten's how many lands do you need to consistently hit your land drops, then it isn't being done properly. That article, uh, Frank goes through and figures out what the percentages are. Like, what's the likelihood of hitting land drops at a certain point in time? And he gives you, he uses a 60 card deck. Now, it's not that hard to extrapolate out, so <laughs> I'm going Plus to... Plus 40, right? Yeah. So I'm going to, uh, just real quick, if you want four lands by turn four, and you're playing with a commander deck, if you run the 36 lands that we were talking about, then you're going to hit that four lands 74% of the time. Hmm. 
if you do, if you run the 40 lands that I recommend, you're going to hit it over 80% of the time. Now, I'll leave it to you to decide if that 6% is worth the extra four lands in the deck. I think it is, but um, that's the option. Now, if you're looking at, in my case with Grusilda, five lands by turn five, uh, even if you have 40 cards in your deck, you're only hitting that 64% of the time. 40 lands. Yeah. So in Grusilda, because with me running 40, means that I'm only going to hit my fifth land drop on turn five, two out of every three games. Yeah, and that's disregarding, uh, you know, Yeah, now mulligans, you can, right, uh, exactly. Now you can up those percentages art, by being, uh, you know, by being good with mulligans. Um, obviously, Is anyone good with mulligans? Well... By being, That's a discussion for another time. Right. By be, at least being being cognizant of what mulligans can do. Right. This has to happen. There are decks that, that should run fewer than 40. I just don't think there's very many of them. And I think there's fewer. Yeah, they have to be fewer. very aggressive, very <clears throat> low on the mana curve. And considering most commander decks, you know, even the, uh, uh, the high-powered ones where games end fast, you're, they're still mana hogs. And, yeah. and I still, I'm still convinced with those decks that you really do want a higher land count. Uh, those decks are doing a ton of card draw to find other, so that allows you to find other things. <clears throat> so don't, don't make it so that you're wasting it to find, uh, you know, land. to find land. Yeah. So you want to already have it. And right. So you don't want to, yeah, you don't want to be using your card draw for lands because that's, a waste. Um, no pun intended. Well, yeah. I want, <laughs> you know, you want, you really want to be able to hit your lands, you know, reliably without any other assistance. And to do that, you really want, you really need to up your land count. It's something, it, it really is something to keep in mind. Um, now, we mentioned mulligans a couple of times. Um, when it comes to, when it comes to your land count, I mean... The reason you're the reason you're running forty is so that you can hit that fourth land on turn four, that fifth land on turn five. Um, so don't you know? Don't take your opening hand. Look at it and say, "Oh, look, there's two lands. I'm good to go." You want to increase your percentage chance of getting that fifth land on turn five or the fourth land on turn four. To do that, you need to have a good hand to start. I mean, yeah. seven of the cards you're looking at, you know. Seven of the 11 cards you're looking at are cards you already get to see before you even start the game. So make them count. You know, I'm not saying you need all four lands, but I'm saying three sure can't hurt. <laughs> uh, and two, well, if you're only keeping two, a two land hand and you're trying to get to four lands by turn four, uh, by turn four, you're giving yourself four turns to find two lands. Well, that's you, a 50 50 shot right and you were just balking or, i mean right and you were balking at the idea of put, making your deck 40 percent lands but now you need it because now you're looking at a 50 you need 50 percent return like don't be crazy right obviously those aren't good odds so you're already putting yourself in the hole mulligan properly don't be you know yeah i get it there there are times when you look at that 
that two-land hand and think to yourself, this is going to take me there. And that also has to do with, like, the other cards in your hand as it well. It absolutely like, um, does. Because, I mean, you know. Like, if you're... Hey, if you're two lands and a soul ring? Yeah. That's, you know, you're looking at four mana on turn two. Also depends on how many colors you have. Like, like obviously, there's all these edge cases, and we're talking generally here. Right. Um, and with, say, two lands, try to make... Like, if you're playing two colors, obviously, yeah. try to... Like, if they're different colors, great. Um, but also, like, look at the other cards in your hand. We'll get to mulliganing in another episode, probably next season. But uh, it's it's a it's a skill, obviously. Um, and knowing how many lander in your deck will obvious or will also. Uh, lend you toward a, a smarter keep or uh throwing it back well exactly i mean um, just just think of the percentages two lands and a signet okay so so you're not doing anything so turn two turn one well turn one you play the land turn two you play a land and your signet yeah okay so that means you've got one two three turns to get that third land because you need that third land because you're trying to hit that land on turn three. Whether you've got that signet, whether you play the signet or not. Because you're not yeah. supposed to be relying on your ramp, and signet is a ramp, to get you to four mana on turn four. And keeping a two land hand with a signet is doing exactly that because the odds of you drawing two lands in four cards are not good. You're taking your chances. You're relying. You're then leaning on your ramp to get you to where just the land in your deck should be getting you to. Mm. So, you know, that's what I'm saying. So, quite often, what looks like a hand you should keep just isn't. Just isn't. <laughs> I mean, you know, I get it, and you know, and I'm as guilty as anybody. I mean, I just said two lands and a soul ring. I'm leaning towards keeping that. I don't know that I should be. Soul Ring proves to be a nice buffer in case you don't get that land. But do you really want to... But it also makes you a target. <laughs> yeah, and it also means that, uh, you know, if you're trying to get your cards out early and you're missing land drops, then the Soul Ring is just filling in for that. Yeah. Well, that's not why you want Soul Ring. You want Soul Ring because it's going to take you to six mana on turn four. Not get you to four where you should have been anyway if you'd had the proper number of lands and mulligan properly. So um, I'm not even touching on the idea of the colors that you need for the deck. Right. We're, I'm not, that's, that's way beyond the scope of what we're going to talk about here because then you start looking at, are you running a three-color deck, a four-color deck? Are you running a deck that's very mana-intensive? It's just the idea is, keep in mind that, you know, your mulligan is one of your best tools. It really is, especially when it comes to making sure that you have the mana to actually play the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, don't look at your hand and think, oh, if I can just draw one more, if, I, if the next card is a land, I am set. Because the next card, odds are, is not a land. Just 
keep that in mind. So many of the percentages that I've talked about here can be dramatically improved by good mulligans. Uh, yeah, you know, don't don't keep don't keep crap. And those same percentages can be way worse if you are keeping lousy hands. So <laughs> I think too with uh, giving yourself, you know, forty forty two as uh, like your hard number. Um, gives you this chance to really inspect the cards that you're actually putting in the deck. Um, because all, so many times uh, when you're building a deck, you're going to be like, oh, this card I want to play, but maybe it's not necessarily good for the deck. So right. I'll just, you know, uh, I'll take out a, a swamp to put this card in. And it's like, well, hold up. <laughs> Figure out why I want it in the deck, whether it's theme if it's actually good or uh, something you just want to try. As so, uh, yeah, and as somebody who has been consistently putting 40 lands in the deck, let me tell you, those last cuts are really, mm. really tough. Because you're yeah. looking at 59 cards, not not 62 or 63. You want 59 plus your commander. Yeah. And you're looking at these last handful of cards and saying, but... I, I have only got two slots left and I have four <laughs> cards and I, I got, I, I just, you can't take one or the other. We need all four of them to make this work. And you know, if I go down to 38, wouldn't that be okay? That's still <laughs> a lot of land. It'll be fine. No, no, it won't. It won't. Don't do this to yourself. Go with the 40 Make the hard cuts. If all four of those have to be in there, then go back through your deck list. Find something else that can come out. Something else can come out. Mm. You'll make it work. You it's funny because I, if you if you go back and listen to our episode about my Tesa deck, um, you'll hear that I my first draft of that deck had thirty lands in it, which is extraordinarily small number. Uh, I would not recommend that. It, I have since bumped the number up to, I think, 37, let's say, because it's either 36 or 38. Um, and uh, I am still playing with it to figure out what needs to come out to bring that land back up. Right. Um, but I lucked out with those first dozen games where... I didn't necessarily meet a mana screw, um, but I definitely remember like having, say, Command the Dreadhorde in hand and knowing, like, I'm only at five, and I've been at five for a few turns, and if I had just a few more land in my deck, I could play it. Granted, I also knew that it was turn, you know, seven or eight, and our games tend to run long because we're a generally lower powered uh meta but uh even that early in the game for us uh there wasn't much going on in the graveyard so like it was just the the like the right uh the perfect storm of things where i was like not worried about it but uh since bringing the number up to 37 uh i have noticed just more consistency not necessarily 
better deck, but just more consistency. I I have more things to do during the game than I did before. Um, I can play things. I can do things on Ooh. other people's turns. I mean, having the consistency, again, doesn't mean you have a good deck. It just means that it you can play. And that's what you want. Right. If, if I'm running my deck with 40 lands, and I reach a point in the game where I can't use all of the mana, then arguably, I've put too much land in the deck. But practically speaking, it means that I've always got mana untapped. And as long as I've got some cards in hand, my opponents are always questioning, is he going to do something? Can he do something? What's in his hand? Can he play something? He's leaving a lot of mana open. What's he doing? <clears throat> even if you're, even if I'm still holding a land in hand just because I got a little bit flooded, it's always there. It's always leaving leaving my opponents wondering what's going on. If yeah. You're not, it, it, right. If you're not running, if you're only running just enough to be able to cast Tesa, well, that's great. You cast <laughs> Tesa, you're tapped out. Well, you're doing nothing while all of your opponents take their turn. And is Tesa going to manage to stay on the board the entire time? Well, there's nothing that you can do to stop anybody from doing anything about it. That's kind of the key. Suddenly now you're yeah. at the whim of everybody else on the board. It would be much better off. If, you know, you can play Tesa and still have mana, and mana left over, even if you can't And I think that's anything. kind of what it kind of comes down to, is, like, it allows you to play the game, not only, obviously, your spells and the things in your hand, but it allows you to have some sort of strategy, skill, whatever. Like, you are playing the game in terms of, like, we talk about it all the time, you have a land in hand and you can make that land drop, but maybe you're good enough. Like maybe right. you have enough land out. You don't necessarily have to do that. Um, it's always great to keep that, the mana up to bluff, you know, an instant speed uh, card to then uh, just have it be a land. I mean, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's bluffing, but it's part of the game and like having, Having more than enough land, having 40 land, which is enough land, uh, allows you to play that part of the game as well. Um, because it is, uh, because it's a game where you don't have perfect information, you don't know what your opponents are holding, uh, keeping that information for yourself of what you have is part of the game. Um, and uh it's it's a thing that i always forget where i'm like oh yeah like my my opponents don't know that i have didn't hand like well exactly and i mean given the options do you want to run less land because less land means that either that one of two things happens one you have just enough land to do what you need or you don't have enough right or you can play 40 where you'll have just enough land to do what you need or you'll have extra extra means nobody knows what the heck you're doing with the rest of that land <laughs> if you can do something else with that land so you've always got more options i'm going to take that every time but um andy i noticed the time i think we probably should be heading to a commercial break 
And then hey, when we come what? back... It's the perfect time for that. Yes. And when we come back, we can talk about a couple, some of the lands in particular. Some lands, yes. lands with some drawbacks. Lands of Palooza. And, uh, and to sort of have a little chat. Get out, get out Sir, from under the numbers. Sir lands a lot. There we go. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. If you want a better buy, go see Ral. For the guy who satisfies, go see Ral. Get a golden crusted knife and it will extend your life. Go see Ral, go see Ral, go see Ral. Hi, Ral Zarek here. I'm going to show you a painless way to get that amazing piece of equipment you've been looking for. For only 200 zebs down and 28 zebs per month, you can get that amazing blade you've always wanted. Or, for no money down, I'll lease it to you for 35 zebs per month. All our financing goes through the Orzov Syndicate, so you know you're getting the best deal around. At these prices, you need to get down to Zarek's used equipment emporium before they're all gone. Go see Ral, go see Ral, go see Ral. So, um, with the second half, or, mm-hmm. or last third, how, however much we decide. <laughs> this we last decide section. To, yeah, yeah. This, this last part. However it falls into editing. I wanted to talk about Enter the Battlefield Taplands. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how many how many of them should you be looking at in your deck if any um, and sort of trying to get a, a sense of just how good or bad they are um, I mean for me uh, I've always run ETB tap lands um, mm-hmm. just because they're always they've always been less expensive and I mean dollar wise and uh, it just sort of made sense and when I started playing, uh, you either had original duels or you had invasion duels, which were just enter the battlefield tapped, can tap for either color. <laughs> and you made the decision whether that was worth it to have a land mm. that you couldn't, that didn't give you any mana for a turn. And then when it did, it could give you both. Or it could yeah. give you two mana, two different colored mana. I think it's crazy how many, uh, how much variety we have for the uh instances where it can come in untapped um we now have so many options that quite (laughs) honestly um if you're playing a land that enters the battlefield tapped and offers no bonus whatsoever for doing that you might want to take a look at things um I, (laughs) i appreciate you know as as somebody who ran those uh I get it, um, but there are others that are relatively inexpensive that will give you something. Um, I will also say with that, like, if you do end up playing with those, after a few games with it, look at what you're usually tapping it for. Chances are you can just replace it with a basic of that color um, if you're playing, like, a two-color deck. Yeah, one of those um, colors. Right, because I, I, like... There have been so many times where I'm like, oh, a Guildgate, okay. Uh, and then I'm like tapping like a Boros Guildgate for red all the time. And I'm like, oh, I'll just put a mountain in it instead. And it comes in untapped. Right. Uh, Beautiful. And a big part of that is just simply, I guess, look at your devotion counts. Look at how heavy right. how heavy your cards lean 
towards one color or the other. Um, when you determine how many lands or what kind of lands go in your deck, you really should be looking at the number of, uh, of colors, pips, the number yeah. of pips on your cards. And, you know, I mean, if you're running black, white, but your black cards have three black pips and your white cards generally only have one or sometimes two, you're going to want right. more black. Um, yeah, definitely. And it doesn't, even if, even if you've got fewer black cards in the deck, the demand for it is that much higher, so you may want to go that route. But also with the inverse of that, like you also want to see how early you're playing these cards. Um, you know, right? Command the Dreadhorde. I will bring yeah. up again. You know, you have two black pips in. Yeah. Uh, but if you're playing a lot of white cards early in the game, that kind of counterbalances the amount of white that you're putting in. Right. Um, and when you're talking about a card that costs that much. Whether it's right. two black pips or three black pips, really makes no difference. If it's a two, <laughs> yeah. if it's a two color deck, by the time you have enough mana to cast, you know, to cast the card, you're going to have at least three yeah. black mana. It's not going to be an issue, so you shouldn't worry about it too much. It's the, you know, the four mana card that that requires two black. Those are the ones you're really looking at because you need to have that black mana that early. So you really do want to look. But there again, when it comes to an enter the battlefield tap land, and we've mostly been talking about duels, I'm even talking about some of the, the single color uh, lands that Wizards has been producing lately. <laughs> Is it worth it? Is it worth it? And to me, a big part about whether uh, deciding whether or not the land is worth it is looking at your meta and realizing how often you get to tap that land. If your meta is running games where the average game goes 10 turns, because, you know, math is hard and I'm going to choose 10. Uh, 10 turns. <laughs> well, if I play that Enter the Battlefield tap land on the first turn, it means that 9 out of 10 turns, I'm going to get to tap it for mana. And one turn, I'm not. Okay, so that means 90% of the time I'm going to get to use it. If you're in a meta, much like ours, where games are going to go 15 turns, well, now you're only missing it 1 out of 15 turns. Now, yeah, I know, I'm looking at it as though you're playing it on turn 1. What happens when you get it on turn 4 or turn 5? And <laughs> then you get, you know, the punishment for playing it it feels like it maybe it feels well it feels like it hurts a little harder because you know right if, if your fourth land is a land that comes into play tap then in theory you're not getting four mana on turn four you're only getting three and that can hurt so maybe maybe your meta is slow enough that it makes sense to use and enter the battlefield tap land maybe the benefit that the card offers is so good that it's worth it um you get the, yeah. or you can look at some of the some of the duels. Like there's the the duels that you can cycle for two mana that mm. come into play tapped. Well, okay, so you know. if you are on that turn five or six and it, you have it, and you're like, I don't actually have to play this. I can cycle it to get something else. Right. You're still losing that mana, but you're also right. And if you're and if you're looking at it on turn eight and saying to yourself, we've only got two more turns. I'm going to play this and it's going to enter the battlefield tapped 
And then next turn, I'm going to get to tap it. So I'm going to get to tap this thing once for one mana. Is that better than spending two, cycling it, and drawing the extra card? That's something to consider as well. And obviously, yeah. you know, take each of the benefits as they come. I mean, uh, you know, what? I'm still running like a Coombe Refuge and tap lands that give me three life. Um, not necessarily because I think that that's worth it. I it, because I like having duels. Got our first. Got hey, our first. Uh, our uh, guests, first guest of the podcast. Yes, the rest of the, Frankie. Yes, the rest of the folks at home can't d missed out on Frankie, but you know. Sorry, uh, literally everyone in the Magic community. We finally have our first guest. Yeah, you'll never guess who it was. Andy's cat. He was my cat. <laughs> <laughs> So where was I? Hey, Frankie. Um, yeah, I, I feel like with a lot of those enter the battlefield tapped, as long as like the the bonus is literally anything, it's sometimes worth it. I mean, all of the temples uh, come into play, you get to scry. Yeah. Um, if you're in a position where that is worth it, then great, play them. Um, right, and I have just, I've just, in my balance, I've mm -hmm. decided that the temples are worth it. Uh, I will run it. I will run the appropriate colored temple in virtually any deck that can that can run it. Um, I'm willing. I'm willing to go without the land to get the scry one. Um, maybe <laughs> it's uh, maybe that's wrong, but um, yeah. If it's wrong, I don't want to be right. <laughs> ones that I've cut out are like the ones where it comes in tapped and you gain a life. Like it's th yeah. it's a little. Um... Yeah. So it, it just you know. Take, take a look at what the land offers as the benefit. Uh, consider your meta when trying to decide how long this is going to go. And then uh, and make your decision from there. Um, mm. You know, I, I try and make an effort to not put too many Enter the Battlefield tap lands. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be that guy who plays his, you know, second land on turn two, but still only has one mana available. Yeah. And then plays the third land on turn three but still only has you know two mana available i, I don't want to be running one mana behind just because i chose so many into the battlefield tap lands but right and i feel like i mean even to the extent of you've got the ravening jewels that come in and you have to bounce a land but they tap for two mana um that does like it's so weird because it took me so long to like understand this. It doesn't ramp you at all. You still are tapping the same amount of uh, mana per turn, um, but now you have a land that taps for two. Yeah. Um, which is great in decks that uh, multiply your mana per yeah. land tapped. Uh, any deck that you can untap lands. Um, decks where the, the land where you have enter the battlefield. Right, uh, lands that um, that effect. You know, if you've used up your your uh, your, what are they called? The filter or not the filter lands? The uh, the ones oh, with the oh yeah, the ones that put the, the prism on it. Yeah, yeah, the counter lands. There we go. Uh, um, like there are obviously, um, situations where they are great, um, but I have caught myself using them less and less because. I could just be running a basic or a different duel. Yeah. Um, See, and I have treated them much like the idea of uh, 
no downside duels mm. um, because you're getting a land that gives you either well both colors in this case right um, instead of just the one so that's yeah. sort of how i've treated them but um i can understand if uh you know if you're looking for other options um the other land that i wanted to talk about was uh my one of my personal favorites hmm? uh you have a favorite land yes i do how weird can you be uh, temple of the false god uh sounds familiar yeah it should um I love Temple of the False of the False God, and uh, there and I am one of few who do. If you are uh, twenty six episodes into this uh, into this podcast, twenty six <laughs> yeah. If you're twenty six episodes into this podcast and don't know what Temple of the False Pod or Jesus, if you don't know what Temple of the False God is, uh, it's a land that says uh, if you control or it's a land that says tap to add two colorless mana. You can only activate this ability if you have five or more lands, which by the way, it counts itself. Um, so if, if you were unclear of our stance on this card, we named our podcast after it. Um, so, so let me, okay. Let me just go through the, the complaints about temple of, of the false God. Um, mm-hmm. The problem that most people have with it is that too many times you draw it and it sits in your hand or you play it and it doesn't tap for mana because you don't have five land and that is miserable that makes temple of the false god sound like a land that should never get played because if you're playing a card from your hand and it effectively does nothing why is it there then you should be you should be throwing you should not be running it in your deck and so this was happening to a lot of people a lot yeah and i think that it's like the perfect case of using the things that we've learned this episode to kind of uh understand why when i guess to play it like i mean obviously your fifth land play it yeah um but that's exactly right. The problem wasn't with Temple of the False God being a bad land. The problem was you were building your deck wrong. You weren't put <laughs> Look, if you have less than 40 lands in your deck, the odds of 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 a temple showing up too early are pretty good. Yeah. Just because it, you because because you're relying on these lands, the odds of finding a fifth land when exactly when you needed it were not great because you were playing fewer lands. The the kind of like conundrum that most people have are like, well, if I have it in my opening hand and I only have like two other lands, like what if I don't get those third and fourth land drops? And it's like, well, don't play it in your opening hand like just just mulligan it like uh, well exactly and, think, and that's the uh, that's that's the other point yeah don't consider it a land in your opening hand if you're mulliganing and you have you know you mold to six uh and you've got two lands temple of the false god and three other cards i guess you'd have four other cards because you put one on the bottom but uh 
in that case, you're not going to look at it and be like, I have three lands. You're going to look at it and say, I have two lands. This card that will help me if I have two more lands. And then cards that aren't lands, then uh, throw it back. It's not worth it. Yeah, um, just you cannot treat Temple of the False God as a land if you've drawn it in your opening hand. Consider consider what you're going to mulligan. Uh, I mean, it's going to be a dead. It's going to be a dead land, right? Because consider it a four drop. Honestly, like, well, yes, right. And you know, forget that it's there. Now look at your hand. Now your hand says you have two lands. And what? Now, if you've got yeah. some other way that's going to get you some ramp, that's going to get you that third land. And then maybe you only need to draw another land in the next three draws. Then in theory, temple could work for you. But if it becomes, you know, but if you're in a scenario where with what you've got, the temple is going to be your third land drop or your fourth land drop. Maybe it isn't the right, right time to be holding that card. <laughs> I will say that as somebody who plays 40 lands in virtually every one of my decks... Actually, that's not true. They play 40 lands in every one of my decks. I don't even have to say virtually. <laughs> in every one of my decks, 40 lands, and I play the temple in, I think, every single one of them. Mm -hmm. I think. I can't guarantee that. But In virtually every single one. <laughs> in virtually every single one. There we go. Um, if I open the... If, if, I can think of the number of times... That I have had to play the Temple of the False God before it was the fifth land. I think that it has been my been a land that I've played before the fifth land once. Once. Hmm. Out of all the games I've played. And since that time, I would say that I've played 150, maybe 200 games. And that's because... I mulligan, I mulligan appropriately, and I'm running 40 land. Yeah, and I feel like even the few numbers... I mean, I I do have more decks with fewer lands than you. Um, and I think I run Temple of a False God in also all of them. Um, and I may have had, in the past three years, let's say three or four uh, times that I've had to play it before my faithful hand. Right, and that's because you've uh, mulliganed appropriately. And I'm getting mana screwed, and that is not a problem with the card. That is a different problem entirely. <clears throat> I'm playing too few lands. Right. But to keep that percentage low, 40 is that sweet spot of not playing too many lands, but... Uh, being able to play the rest of your cards, um, including Temple of the False God. So, yeah, if you are running in a very high-speed meta, maybe Temple of the False God isn't isn't good enough for the amount of time that it'll be there. But to say that it's bad because you're drawing it early and you don't have enough other lands, well, that's just a case of... You aren't running 40 lands and you didn't mulligan properly. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, 
if that's your reason for restricting it, then you need to find another. <laughs> you need to find another reason. Yeah, we take offense. It. I mean, it is a very us card. I think it. It. It very much defines our <laughs> our meta. It, well, it defines our power level strictly by naming the card, um, being like, "This is what we find to be our our uh, cornerstone." Yeah. Um, and it just just makes sense. I mean, what? There's a reason we named ourselves after the card. Yeah. Um, the fact that it rhymes with pod probably had something to do with it as well. So. Oh, definitely. And I think, like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are plenty of god cards out there. But I think, like, this one in particular... Um, it's, it's not an amazing card. I don't think either of us are saying that. Mm-hmm. It does a thing very specifically that we find to be favorable over its detriments i mean right um right and i will say that you know since the podcast started a year ago we opted to uh you know not name ourselves after uh after corona (laughs) the false potter i mean false god herself yeah well it just seemed like a real bad time to be naming yourself after a pandemic so yeah well well andy I, I think that's going to do I it. I think so. Uh, play 40 lands. Uh, play Temple of the False God if you want. Um, and Mulligan appropriately. Mulligan appropriately. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, yeah. So thank you for coming. Uh, thank, thank you, Bruce. Thank you, our, our TA Bruce, for putting together this presentation today. Uh, <laughs> I'm happy to help. Um, Sorry I left my, uh, uh, my visual materials at home. um we will be back next week with a new episode uh as always on wednesdays that we do that thing we do uh thank you for coming thank you for listening we are temple of false (laughs) we are temple of false pod where our decks are not optimized but our plays sure as heck are fun i'm andy i'm bruce uh have a great night and may your fifth land Beat the temple. Bye.